Hey, uh, so <laughs> you're listening to the Creative Pep Talk podcast. Uh, if you're a regular listener, this isn't the first time you're listening. You'll notice I didn't start with the, hey, you listen to the Creative Pop Tart Creative Pop-Tart podcast, the whole spiel and the music and all that jazz. This is going to be a little bit different of an episode. I think we did this one other time. It's a, it's a creative real talk podcast. Now listen, there's still going to be jazz. I can't help myself. I get excited and motivated. I, of course, I don't actually know what's going to happen in this episode uh, so I can't guarantee you jazz. I might, by the end of this episode, be sobbing into the microphone. I don't think that's going to happen. I do have notes. I have uh, ideas, some tips, tricks, stuff that's helping me and helping me grow. But this is a real talk episode in that I'm cutting. There's no editing. Uh, we had a technical difficulty with the episode that I wanted to air. Uh, the audio was jacked. It was an interview that I really wanted to share, but I couldn't share and so I did a post on Instagram, and it was me just being vulnerable and saying, hey, I'm super bummed, and I was genuinely gutted. Uh, that's a British expression that means really bummed about the fact that I couldn't share that episode. I was kind of uh, just so – it just I – was, I was really down on Tuesday. So anyway, I posted this post on Instagram just being vulnerable and saying – uh, hey, this is what went down. And, you know, a lot of people really connected with just me being honest and being uh, sharing my stuff. So I just thought, you know what, I'm just going to share an episode about what's going on in my life right now, what I'm learning. So it's not going to be just all about me. It's not going to be a journal entry. Uh, it's going to be, this is what I'm going through. Here's how that might affect or help you uh, or encourage you or motivate you. Um, even some tactical questions that might stir up some creative growth in you. So it's a different type of episode. Uh, if this is the first one you're listening to, warning, this is kind of a weird version of this show. Uh, we exist to help you build a thriving creative career. That's what Creative Pep Talk's all about. My name's Andy J. Pizza. You can follow me on Instagram at Andy J. Pizza if you want to do that. Um, here's the sponsors. I really needed to rehaul my website. I was talking to some web people, looking around, and I got intrigued by Squarespace's new fluid engine, partially because it just sounds cool, but also because it allows you to drag and resize and layer up anything you can imagine. I dove in, rebuilt my site. It's the most me site that I've ever had. I just absolutely love it. Launched it, got such a great response. Some industry illustration and designy peers even reached out and was like, hey, who coded this thing, man? I'm like, y'all, I did it by myself. No coding with Squarespace's new Fluid Engine. I told him like, you should go check it out. You're gonna be surprised with what you can do. And I built this thing before Squarespace reached out to sponsor the show. So I was like, boom, easy peasy. I was gonna tell you about this new site anyway. Go check it out, AndyJPizza.com if you wanna see what I did with it. If you want to try it yourself, make a site that's totally you where you can build a portfolio, sell content and courses and all kinds of other stuff, head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with promo code PEPTALK, all one word, all uppercase. This episode is supported by In The Making, an original podcast brought to you by Adobe Express, the all-in-one content creation app included in your Creative Cloud membership. 
if you are trying to boost the YouTube, TikTok, Reels content side of what you're doing, one episode of In the Making that I think will be super useful to you is their episode with John Ushai. I think John's method for including his audience in the process is really inspiring. And if you want to hear about that and more about leveling up your game in the creator economy, just search In the Making in your podcast player to listen. Many thanks to In the Making and Adobe Express for their support. All right, let me take this jacket off. Hold on. Because I'm hearing some, you hear this? It's kind of a swishy undercoat of sorts. And uh, let me just tell you what's going on with me and what I'm struggling with as a creative person and in my creative career and what I think I'm learning, uh, some questions that are helping me dive deeper and make hopefully better art and be more of my true self and... Yeah, so <laughs> one of the reasons why I wanted to do this episode is because I'm getting a lot of messages <laughs> that are saying, please don't quit the podcast, Andy. Uh, and I've never mentioned quitting the podcast. And then I'm getting a few messages here and there kind of hinting at, uh, are you having a mental breakdown? <laughs> And I can assure you, I am not having a mental breakdown. I've actually never been happier in my life. And I've never been probably healthier in my life. Uh, and I've probably never been more myself. Uh, I think probably why people are sending in questions like, uh, are you having a mental breakdown? Or please don't stop doing the podcast. is because you can read between the lines. If you listen to this podcast regularly, you know that the past four months have been a soul-searching season for me. So I've been wrestling with a bunch of big questions about what I want to do over the next year to five years to 10 years. What do I, I'm, I'm kind of in a brand spanking new season. And I want to explain a little bit of why I'm in that season, what's going on, what I'm thinking through, what I'm wrestling with. And, uh, and, and what my current takeaways are, but you're right. You know, I'm sure, you know, those of you that are perceptive enough to notice that something weird's going on, uh, you're right. Something weird is going on. And, uh, th this episode is going to be a little bit about explaining that. And some of you might just be saying that because you noticed recently I dyed my hair purple and I've been painting my nails. <laughs> And I think what's funny about that is that people that have known me since middle school, I don't think would be very phased by that because if anything, it's not a new me as much as it is a return to an old me. You know, when I was in middle school, I would dye my hair and paint my nails and even in high school and ever since I was a kid. And, you know, I'm what's really happening is me embracing my real self, me returning home to myself, me uh, becoming, being more vulnerable and honest publicly on the internet about who I am as a person. And it's not anything, I don't know, crazy. Maybe you think painting your nails is bonkers. It doesn't seem crazy to me. It's something I've done since I was a kid. And I really like it. I like color. And I actually think 
when your nails are sea foam, they look cleaner. <laughs> and I just like color. Look at my illustrations. It's a color sensation, a, con- a color explosion. Uh, so, so yeah, that that's kind of what's been going on. You know, I've been thinking about one of the things I've been meditating on or or mulling over is this idea that I feel like artists, visual artists especially, kind of had this hope that the internet would be a mask, that an internet would be this giant warm blanket that we could hide under like our fort and we could just slide out drawings from under the blanket and people would start congregating uh, around our internet blanket fort and just, you know, slide in dollar bills underneath the blanket and nobody would ever have to see us. And I find that incredibly interesting. And I get it. You know, I feel like for the past 10 years, I've been trying to work my way up in the design and illustration field. And it's taken me 10 years to be myself on the internet. And I still have a long way to go. Or be myself on stage, or be myself in emails, or be myself on my portfolio, or through my work, or on my Instagram. And I think for the longest time, uh, you know, I'm an introvert who probably developed an extroverted persona as a means of survival, or uh, getting attention, or finding, getting the love uh, that I needed as a kid. And I think for the longest time, I really thought that the internet could be my introverted blanket fort uh, and I and I could hide behind it but it's interesting that that's there's a lot of promises that the internet gave us that didn't come to fruition and it turns out that the internet and real life are actually the same thing and they only work when the internet feels like real life or or is is born from real life and the truth is for the for as I think since time began, you needed to be known in your community to earn a living to thrive. You had to be you had to be yourself and get out there and get in front of people and and be seen to to thrive. You had to be part of a community or part of um, something where you're you're showing yourself. And I think in the same way that the internet said, oh, you can make a living and geography won't be a factor, it actually just made geography that much more of a premium. You know, the people that are in LA, the people that are in Brooklyn, the people that go meet face-to-face with game players in their town, they they have an advantage. And I think the same goes for the internet, that we thought the internet would mean that we could be in anonymity and, and make our stuff in... Uh, darkness. And I would argue that the real gold and the real connection is left to the artists that are willing to upload themselves to this cyber world and show themselves and be themselves and that nothing's changed. The mediums change, but the, but connection, life, art, uh, resonating with an audience, it hasn't changed. We want you. Uh, and, that, and, and vulnerabilities and warts and all, actually. So that's what's been going on in terms of uh, where I'm at. But let me just explain. I'll tell you three. I, I'm trying to do this in one take. I'm trying to do this 
which is part of the vulnerability exercise, not go, not going back and editing or rethinking or retinkering. So I hope that you appreciate. I hope you appreciate. The number one thing I hope you get from this episode is uh, presence. I hope that you can feel that I am present with you in this moment, and I hope that's a gift. I hope my presence is a present. If that's not a song. <laughs> I just made it up on the spot. But it is a, you know, I think it is always a, a present when someone is present with you. It's a, it's a gift that we can give each other, and I'm hoping that this episode is interesting partially because of that. So why, why am I soul-searching? There's a bunch of stuff going on. One of them is, and this one is a tough one to share, and it's that in 2018, 2018 felt like kind of a finish line of sorts in regards to my client illustration. Now, not I, now you might not know this. I'm, an, I'm a full-time illustrator. I've done works for the likes of... YouTube, Amazon, New York Times, The Washington Post, Nickelodeon. I could keep going and just, you know, continue to prove my self-worth through these <laughs> corporations that have verified me. But <laughs> I'll save you. I'll save you that. But I'll just say, uh, now not illustration, because I have personal illustration. I have illustration that could be uh, my own authorship, and uh, whether that's books or posters or Instagram posts or whatever, you know, stuff directly for customers. I'm still very in the thick of that stuff. But client illustration, I'm still a client illustrator. I'm a full-time illustrator and this podcast is kind of my uh, side project. But I do a lot of work for clients and the thing that happened in 2018 was that Kind of my golden goose, if you will, the holy grail was to work with the New York Times. And and I just mean one time. Like I didn't go to fancy art school. I don't have all the credentials and credibilities to usher me into that world. Uh, I'm not an Ivy Leaguer. I'm not a super smart person. I'm not, a, uh, <laughs> not extremely well read. I'm not an intellectual, but... I appreciate the New York Times and I appreciate a lot of stuff in there and it's kind of a uh, it's kind of a metric of success in the illustration world working with the New York Times and it's been the number one client on my list for the past 5 years and I kind of th- subconsciously thought if I work with the New York Times I will have made it as an illustrator and for the past 10 years my January, motivating myself in any given year was really, really easy. It consisted of like an hour activity where I sat there with my phone or a piece of paper and I just listed out what are five clients that I'd like to work for. And if I, if I could just find clients that would like pump me up, that I'd be like, man, if I work for them, that would be so fun, so cool. And New York Times has been at the top of that list for five years and it's kind of been what I considered the finish line for client illustration. And then in 2018, guess what? I worked with the New York Times. And I was so, I think when I got that job, I probably cried about it. And I'd love to work with the New York Times more, but (laughs) if you're listening, and I'm still doing client illustration as my job. But what I didn't see happening was how crossing that 
finish line after 10 years uh, trying to make it, you know, trying to uh, build this super thriving, awesome illustration career. What I didn't realize was that when I accomplished that, alongside a bunch of other clients that I worked for, uh, that it would feel, that it would make my goal setting in 2019 so complicated. So for the past two months, I've tried to kind of replicate my past goal setting activity where I basically sat down and said, what are three clients that I'd like to work for? Uh, and write Starbucks, Apple, not these aren't Starbucks, is it? I, you know what? I'm not going to sit here and diss people or whatever, Andy. This is one take, one take. Uh, anyway, sat there and tried to come up with clients that I'd want to work for, and it just wasn't working. It's not that I wouldn't want to work with Apple. I'd love to work with Apple. But the fire, it wasn't going to motivate me for uh, another year. There wasn't actually any client that I could come up with that would bring any sort of supernatural motivation and having done that kind of golden goose client i realized that like i'm gonna have to find some different fuel like i this isn't gonna this isn't gonna motivate me to push it to the next level now having said that i still i still love doing illustration if you're a potential client out there that's been thinking about um working with me i'm still considering projects but i and I am still going to be a full-time illustrator, but I am going to be pickier because I want to pivot part of my career. And, you know, another thing that's kind of been going on throughout this soul searching is, so for the, you know, for the longest time, you know, I had a middle-class income doing illustration and design before I created this podcast and that's kind of a badge of honor of mine is that before I started really giving out advice or tips I was doing it from a place of thriving myself and and big breakthroughs that I'd already been through and had worked with dream clients and uh, all that stuff and that makes what I have to say about building a thriving career legitimate in my opinion and so all the while my podcast was growing, and then last year, the podcast uh, hit numbers that I didn't think that it would ever hit. And I know, I know that actually saying these two things, I feel kind of like a, um, I'm trying to think of a kind way of saying it to myself. Every word that's running through my mind is a, is a swear, <laughs> and it's not nice. I feel like a jerk. I feel like I'm humble bragging, and I'm I apologize for that. Uh, but I'm trying to be real about the things that uh, that I'm struggling with. So, so the podcast has grown a bunch, and uh, it's become a bigger part of my life, and it's a big passion of mine. In a in a very real way, the podcast is as much my art as illustration. And for the longest time, 
I've thought I've got to keep the client work illustration stuff working at full speed, taking as many of those good clients and good projects as I can and uh, prioritizing that over the podcast and public speaking and the YouTube channel and whatever. And, you know, that kind of voice in my head that said, you need to basically be a full-time illustrator and a full-time podcaster and a full-time public speaker has put me into a scenario where I am struggling to be a good full-time father and a good full-time husband and a good full-time any of those things because you can't, uh, you can't, you can't put, you can't be a full-time eight things, right? There's a good quote by, uh, what's his name? I can't remember his name. I'll try to look it up and put it in the show notes. But the quote is, you can do anything you want, but you can't do everything that you want. And so you got to do some soul searching and some pruning and some picking and choosing. And I think where I'm at right now is I've realized that, you know, working with Nickelodeon for the 15th time doesn't make me more legitimate. And I'm not saying, if you're listening, Nickelodeon, I'm not saying I won't take any more projects, but I am saying that I'll be choosier about the ones that I pick. And I am saying that I'm going to take on probably some, probably less illustration and scrutinize it a little bit more and, uh, and only pick the projects that are a perfect fit that, that work with the schedule and, uh, allow me to have more margin for the podcast and for public speaking and for YouTube and books and, and kids and husband duties and, and privileges. <laughs> uh, and so I realized that that voice that was saying, you got to be a full-time illustrator. You got to be, you got to be keep, you know, you can't slow down in that area if you want to continue being legitimate in your podcast. And I also realized that my personal work, this, you know, the personal artwork that I was doing for Instagram, the personal illustration I was doing for the podcast, the illustration that I was doing for my project Invisible Things or stuff just directly for my audience actually started to feel challenging in totally new ways that were challenging me creatively in terms of, you know, humor and connection and resonance that, uh, that I wasn't finding in, the, in client work. Uh, client work has its own set of challenges that I've explored and been a part of for the past 10 years. But this personal stuff was a, a totally new creative challenge. And I was getting to put myself into it in ways that I've never put myself into my artwork. And I was getting to connect uh, with people on a deeper level. And I realized that, you know, the only type of client illustration isn't the only type of illustrator I can be. And actually succeeding on in this new territory of making products and posters and, and uh, posts for customers directly is actually as legitimate, if not more, in an area where I can explore, challenge myself, get better and learn a bunch of stuff that I can then teach and share about the B2C, the business to customer stuff, not just the business to business stuff. And so turning down more business to business stuff is actually going to give me an ability to turn up the customer stuff, which means that I'll have new insights that I haven't had. So that's a big part of it. Another part of it is that 
in the next couple episodes, we're going to talk about we're going because of I've been doing all the soul searching and and trying to find my reconnect with my vision and my goals and my objectives and key results and plans and metrics and data and pie charts and graphs and arrows going up to the right. <laughs> uh, just because I've been doing a deep dive into that, I've been planning and working on episodes for the past two months, uh, a few part episode series on that kind of thing. And I've actually been putting it back uh, until I felt like I had really progressed to the place where I had some major breakthroughs. And I have, so I'm about ready to do that series. And part of uh, part of that series comes from what happened at the beginning of last year. So at the beginning of last year, I decided that the one thing that I needed to do was focus on podcast growth because if I had that, it would create uh, margin and it would it had a scalability that could affect everything else that I was doing. And so I came up with a plan and I came up with a key uh, result that I was going to focus on. And I had some really, really massive breakthroughs in the world of the podcast. So our listenership went from uh, 8,000 people an episode to something like uh, anywhere from 20 to 40, up to almost 50,000 listens an episode. Just hold on one second. There's a reason why I'm telling you these numbers. I want you to feel the magnitude of the next thing I want to say, and I do apologize for um, any of that that feels like bragging. I can assure you that there are many, many ways that I'm being humbled in my uh, personal and professional life and uh, in many ways that I'm struggling and dropping the ball and doing stupid stuff and failing, So, which maybe I need to think about those things and share about those things too just to round out this so that it doesn't just feel like a humble brag thing, but... Uh, a thing I learned was that with this dramatic growth in in the past year, uh, especially over the past four or five months, the uh, the feedback that I've been giving has been off the freaking charts in terms of quantity. I've got more feedback about my art and who I am and what I make in the past four or five months than I've had in my entire life. And and the thing that hit me and the takeaway here is something you probably already know, but it's something that's worth repeating and, re- and having as a reminder is that uh, probably November, December, I think I started feeling like I'm not sure I want the podcast to grow any bigger. And I didn't... And you might, and I think it was just subconscious. I don't think I ever really thought that, but I realized I wasn't motivated to draw, to grow the podcast. So I wasn't motivated to get to push uh, into, you know, all kinds of new territories with clients. Like getting, I couldn't find clients that really pumped me up uh, in terms of. It's listen. I'm not. I still get excited when I get a cool client job through the email inbox. So don't just quit sending them. But, but you hear that? That's like old. Uh, scarcity Andy from 2009 uh, saying, what if I said I don't want them and then I don't have any more to do? I still like doing them, but I couldn't find any, I couldn't find a client that I could put on that list that would just, um, would would feel like I it needed the type of pushing that would require me to level up. And then I also started feeling like, I don't know if I want the podcast to grow, which was my goal the previous year. And the reason I didn't want the podcast to grow was because of all this feedback. 
Now, I want to say this really clearly. For every 250 pieces of feedback, I would get one that was pretty nasty about who I am as a person. (laughs) Which it's funny just thinking of someone anonymously uh, just attacking my my personality online um, or my or, or something I'd said or something I do or just something about the way that I do the podcast or, or my work or whatever. And uh, what happened without me realizing it was I was getting all this feedback and yet I was feeling really, really terrible because as you know, you remember the one terrible thing someone says and completely ignore the 250 lovely things, the 250 uh, people saying how much you have impacted them or, or meant to them or the connection that you made with them. And it was just these few. And I think uh, so recently what ended up happening when it hit me that these little tiny comments that I was focusing on were overshadowing the comments of the people that have been testing these tactics from the podcast over the past four years and with that much time and energy have actually seen life-changing results. People that had put this practice to work and found their true passion and had breakthroughs and and had dream clients or had uh, changed their portfolios and got dream jobs that they had to move state their family states away for, you know, giant life changes on the backs of these tactics and, and tips and, and processes. And I kept, I'm getting all these messages from people and I'm not even seeing them. I'm not even realizing it because of those bad comments. And so it just kind of makes me want to encourage you guys to say like, realize that this is something I say all the time that fame or, which I am not famous, but you know, being by any stretch of the imagination, this is uh, not at all, but being seen at all, being seen more than you are right now might seem really uh, interesting and exciting or something that you desperately want, but just realize that being seen is not the reward of good creative work. It is the cost. And uh, I'm going to have to find a relationship to the emails and the comments and the, and the reviews that is healthy and helps me grow and, and get better, but also thrive and stay sane. But it was through this soul searching and realizing that these small comments that were attacking me were overshadowing these life-changing comments that people were sending in and and the results and the tactics really working and the processes really having an impact and these frameworks making a difference that I started to find my passion and zeal again and my excitement for what we're doing. And I realized that I've never been more excited about the podcast because we've we've been doing this for long enough to see some real fruit from these seeds. And it just made me, when, I, when that hit me, when I realized that I'd been ignoring these testimonials that I could only have dreamt of, I realized that this work matters so much more to me than I could have ever dreamt and made me realize that I'm going to have to 
start being a little bit choosier and pickier about the stuff coming through because I cannot burn the candle at both ends and I refuse to sacrifice the quality of this podcast so that I can work with uh, you know, one of these clients for the 18th time. And so that takeaway is just about realizing the cost of doing good creative work. And I want that to scare you because then I want you to realize that, um, you know, just be aware that when you look back through your past and you look back through, you know, school and, and all the work you've made and all the times you've connected with people, how many times people have told you what your work meant to them and how much you dwell on the one time or the two times someone made a snidey comment to cut you down. And maybe you just need to meditate on that for a minute and just let this uh, marinate in that idea of how, what are the comments that I keep replaying? What are the nasty, minor, tiny, few little things that people have said over the year that I've let shape me? And how is it distracting me and stealing my joy about creating stuff and stealing my ability to deeply connect with my audience? And just, just be aware of it. Just wake up to it because I can guarantee that your work, I guarantee, first of all, I'm sure that this podcast does a little harm. I'm sure I, my work does a little harm. I'm sure that there's, there's always cons. It's not all pros. That, I get that. But I guarantee you that we are making a positive impact and not a negative one. And I guarantee you that your work and what you do, whether you've had a little, few little uh, put downs over the year, is making a difference, making a connection, brightening people's lives. And so it's just something to think about. Okay. Last few thoughts. But before we get to that, why don't we just go to the awkward segue into the mid-roll since we have no music and I'm going to do an ad with uh, no help from music. Let me just take a little drink real quick. Okay. I guess I could make some music. Okay. Back to the reality. Uh, creative real talk. Uh, <laughs> You've heard the pep talk. Now hear the behind the scenes. Why is Andy dyeing his hair? Why is he painting his nails? Is he losing his mind? No, he never had it. This guy's totally bonkers. Okay, few last thoughts. Uh, on authenticity and, and wanting more followers. First, we'll go to authenticity. I wanted to do this episode as an authentic measure to share with you what's really going on in my life. You know, I'd heard someone talk a few years ago about problems from three years before, and I remember seeing that person three years before and them acting like they weren't going through any problems at all. And it kind of gave me a bad taste in my mouth in terms of uh, um, lack of authenticity. And I don't want to be that type of person. I want to 
share when things are a struggle and sh- when things are not making sense or what's going on. And I, and so that's why I want to do this episode, which I've told you that <laughs> 17 times, but since it's live to tape, I'm not going to edit it out. Okay. On authenticity. I've thought a lot about this. I've thought a lot about how, is there any creative person that I'm obsessed with in 2019 that doesn't seem authentic? Is there any, is there any, even ones that have a persona? You know, one of the things they talk about in improv or comedy, uh, have you heard of the improv or, and or comedy, uh, Stand, a, a.k.a. stand-up comedy. Uh, one of the things they talk about when, when they, what they talk about when they talk about comedy is, <laughs> is uh, this idea of committing, really committing to the bit. So even if you're doing a persona, even if someone's creating a character, does it feel authentic? Even if someone's acting, is it authentically coming from a place inside of their soul? You can do authenticity in a way that's not, you know, completely opening up everything in your backstory. That's not authentic. That's not what authentic means. It means coming from the heart. Listen to your heart. Right? Okay. I thought about it. I was thinking about, is there any person in 2019 who I am a super fan of because that's what we're trying to create for our artwork, super fans. People not, we don't want people to like us. We want people to love our work. And I would argue that the more you love someone, the more you might not like everything about them because you get to really know them. And when you really know somebody, all of a sudden you're going to see some things that you're not going to, you're not going to like, but that's the road to love. And I was thinking about Every artist, musician, comedian, actor, writer, everyone that I am totes gaga for, and I realized that there wasn't one that didn't seem deeply authentic to me. Whether it was a performance or whether they were, you know, straight up live journaling was there any person, I couldn't think of anybody, I couldn't think of anybody that seemed like shrouded in mystery and also completely taking left turns. You never know what they're going to be. And they're, you know, they get up and they're enigmatic in, in their interviews where they're like, darkness. Like, I just don't, like, I think that there's some of that from the past that worked. And I also think that sometimes that kind of enigmatic weirdness is authentic. But, Regardless of how it's manifested, I don't know a creative person that I'm a super fan of that doesn't have this authentic connection with their fan base where you feel like that's them. It might be a part of them. It might be a side of them. It might be an invention of them, but it's them. And I started thinking about this question and it's one I pose to, you know, you and and the listeners and the people that I work with You've got to be yourself, but you can't be you if you don't know who you are. And I feel as though the podcast has been a microscope 
on my personal life and on me as a person. It has been art that I'm making that is has really put me under the microscope and shown me who I am. And there was a, and I feel like, and, and actually I have a lot of boundaries with you guys. I don't tell you everything about, you know, my spiritual practice. I don't tell you everything about, uh, you know, my savings account. I don't tell you everything about, there's all kinds of things. My, my, my marriage, I don't talk to you about everything, but I'm authentic about everything that I talk about. And or I have become more and more authentic through the process. And one of the things that I think happened two years ago, three years ago maybe, was as I realized I need to go deeper, I need to be more present, I need to be more authentic in what I'm saying, but I can't do that if I don't know what I really think. If I don't really, really embrace my personal point of view, I'm not willing to share it. And I realized there was a bunch of parts of my personality that were just persona. They were literally things that I had acquired over the years. And there was a bunch of what Carl Jung and Joseph Campbell call caves that I feared to enter in my mind. A lot of things about who I am as a person, questions about myself that I'd been avoiding. And I know, by the way, this is a boundary between me and you. I'm being authentic right now when I say, I'm not going to tell you what all those questions are. They're personal. But I asked him. And one of the things that happens is, almost always those cave you fear to enter, hold the treasure you seek. That's Joseph Campbell. But also, the dragon in that cave that you're afraid of is usually made out of paper. Or it's usually a mirror. It's just you. And I can just, I just want to encourage you to straight up Look yourself in the mirror, go into that cave, look yourself in the eye, ask the questions, realize that to make your best work, you've got to be you, but you can't be you if you don't know who that is. And so it might be seeking professional, it might be hard talks with family members that you've been avoiding, but this is a journey that if you want to, you know, one of the best things that art can do for people is lead to self-actualization, self transcendence, but you can't lead anybody places you haven't gone. Uh, Okay, so you can probably hear my friend Chris Graham talking in the background. This is part of it, is that I didn't carve out any special time to record this episode. It's adding to the ambiance of the authentic episode. One other thing that I, before I'm going to get to the, that kind of led straight into the followers thing. But before I go there, I just want to uh, add one little thing about authenticity. One of the things we talked about on Kathy Heller's episode, and I've talked about in the past, is about acknowledging your audience or making stuff that they want. Now, I get some messages about this from time to time, and I get why. Because it can sound like I'm, it's a nuanced topic. It's not a black and white topic. I'm not saying forget what you want to make and only make what your audience wants from you. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying you need to find a place of empathy to have a resonance with people, to have a, what I think of as a payoff creatively, like to get value, to, to make something that is genuinely funny that's genuinely moving, that's genuinely touching somebody, helping them learn, helping them connect, resonance, right? Like emotional or, or 
physical or spiritual or mental resonance, something that does something, triggers something in the audience that you want to connect with. If you want to do that, you've got to resonate. And to do that, it requires learning the craft of some kind of payoff. Your work, you know, when they encounter your work, it does something in them. And if you're going to do that, it can't just be about journaling creatively. It has to be about communicating. And I think if you want to just be a creative journaler, you cannot uh, bank on that type of creativity. Uh, You can't bank on that turning into a career. But there are actually a lot of forms of creativity that actually you can develop a craft Uh, master the craft and turn it into a career. I think illustration, comedy, uh, food industry, you know, being a chef, being a writer, being a TV producer, being a filmmaker, I actually think these are all things where you can maybe not completely master art in terms of winning every time or resonating every time, but improve every single time to the point of being able to consistently offer value with your creativity, value, aka resonance, doing something in people. And that path to learning how to resonate uh, has an element of empathy. It has an element of me saying, hey, when I do this, how does that feel? Sounds weird. But you know what I'm saying? Like when in comics are such a good example of that because they will say, I think this is funny. Go in front of people, say it. And if it doesn't get a laugh, you know, and maybe they'll try it a few different crowds and, and whatever. But if it doesn't get a laugh, then they think, you know what, maybe that's not funny. Or they'll try to work at it from another angle or try to find their way in. If ultimately they cannot get laughs with that thing, it dropped from their act because they're a comedian. And all I'm saying is it's the same. I say this all the time. I'm saying that it's, it's always about being authentic. It's, oh, it's got to be something that you think is funny because if you don't have the sensitivity to know, to, for it to touch your sense of humor, you're not, it's not going to even register. You're not going to be able to play that instrument anyway. I'm never saying be inauthentic. I'm just saying that there's more to the equation. It's not just authenticity and that's, the end, that's all she wrote. That's the end of the story. It's authenticity and then resonance. It's a two-part equation. It's an evolved form of creativity in my opinion. Communication is not just about being authentic like journaling is, but it's also about uh, transferring your thoughts and feelings into somebody else effectively through craft, through trickery, through sorcery. That is artistry. Does that make sense? It's not a, it's not a simple equation. It's not uh, just do whatever the hell you want. And it'll work out. If that's, I just don't believe that that's the artist's journey. There's more to it than that. It's more complicated than that. It's more beautiful than that. It's more magical than that. It's more spiritual than that. It's more, I don't know. I was trying to think of weirder words to throw in there, but I can't. Um, does that make sense to you? It's a, it's a very nuanced subject. And, and one of my favorite ways of talking about it, I've said it in the past, is making the t-shirt you feel like making is really different than designing the t-shirt you feel like wearing. When you, like, the thing you feel like drawing might not might not make, you know, it might be cathartic. It might be therapeutic. It might be good journaling. But is it good communication? It's something that actually involves two people. You know, having a great time in the kitchen and just feeling, getting into the mood and just throwing ingredients around. Like sometimes the most enjoyable pro- process of making a dish doesn't equal the most delicious dish. 
hopefully you can find a balance of authenticity and resonance. One that, a, a dish that's a blast to make and also tastes delicious. And that's what we're trying to, we're trying to figure that out. And I like that idea of, it's not just the t-shirt you want to draw, it's the t-shirt you want to wear. It's a different mindset. It gets you into the empathy. It gets you into the resonance. It gets you into, uh, you know, uh, Dax Shepard on his podcast, Armchair Expert, talks about just making the movie that you wanted to see. That's all you can do. It's both that, that little thought experiment gets you into resonance as well as authenticity because it's something you want to see, which is authentic, something that you think is funny, that's authentic, something you want to wear, that's authentic, but also something uh, that, that um, somebody else could engage with. Okay, last thing, we're going to wrap it up. This episode was supposed to be like 17 minutes long. It's now 48 minutes long. <sighs> last thing, I hope, I hope you guys like this episode. It's weird. You want more followers? All right. First of all, quit lying. <laughs> yeah, I know you want more followers. Look, I'm not... Okay, I get it. It's not about followers. I know that there's an unhealthy side of wanting more followers, but you want more true fans. How about that? And sometimes that means followers uh, on online, but true fans. You want, you want more people to connect with what you're doing. You want to connect with them in a deeper way. But if you want more followers, my question to you is... If you want people to follow you, where are you taking them? You know, I'm reading this book called The Writer's Journey by Christopher Vogel. I finished, uh, I've been studying passively through like audiobooks and, uh, you know, YouTube videos and documentaries and all this kind of stuff on Joseph Campbell, The Hero's Journey over the past couple of years. And then uh, about a year ago, I finally bit the bullet and read his whole Hero of a Thousand Faces. It's a really thick book. It's almost like a textbook of comparative mythology. It's really interesting, but it's about the hero's journey. And the hero's journey, if you don't know, uh, is just basically the common myth in all cultures. And it has all these similarities, and it's basically a story framework where there's these really specific parts, like starts with the ordinary world, the call to adventure, the refusal of the call, uh, the meeting of the mentor, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Very interesting. It says a lot about human psychology, about the journey of self-actualization, the journey of fulfilling your human purpose and how we develop meaning uh, on this planet. But the writer's journey is about, basically about screenwriting. You know, uh, Dave Chappelle uh, read it before he wrote Half Baked. So that's the, <laughs> the sales pitch. Actually, a lot of screenwriters uh, uh, say that this book is the thing that uh, changed everything for them in terms of writing. And uh, I've been reading it and really been loving it. It's a kind of simplified story structure framework from taking from Joseph Campbell's Hero's Journey, but simplifying it in a way that uh, is even more palatable to me, really. And uh, one of the things they talk about is the guide or the mentor. So this is Obi-Wan Kenobi or Yoda or Dumbledore, or it, it's the person that shows up to help the hero. And another thing, there's a podcast called Story Brand Podcast with Donald Miller. He used to be like a memoir writer, spiritual memoir, memoir writer, memoir writer and uh, he now is a marketer it's a really weird journey but whatever um, no judgment man you do you <laughs> and anyway he talks about how 
in business, it's your job not to be the hero of your customer's journey, but the guide. Like, nobody's coming across a plumber and thinking, oh, my hero. Like, oh, my story is now about you. No, you're the guide. You're the one coming in to help them in their story. And I actually think, I didn't know for the longest time, but I actually think this applies to art. I think that... I think that we are supposed to be their guides. And if you want people to follow you, you need to guide them. And you need to ask yourself, where are you guiding them? Are you guiding them to binge Netflix? It's not actually that exciting of a place. They don't need a guide <laughs> to get there, to get to their couch and binge Netflix. Where have you, you can't lead people where you haven't gone. What interesting places in terms of your own self-actualization, your own knowledge, your own, uh, like you have to be, I, that's another thing I've thought about. I've been listening to all these podcasts with Mike Schur. He's the, he's Moe's from the office. He was one of the, uh, main writers on the American office. He co-created Brooklyn Nine-Nine and the Parks and Parks and Rec and then created The Good Place, which is my new favorite show. And I think about, I listen to these episodes with him, and Mike Schur is just so much smarter than me. He went to Harvard. He was part of the Harvard Lampoon. He was a Saturday Night Live uh, writer, and he knows a lot more about philosophy and ethics than I do. And he's just way, way smarter than me. And I just get this sense that the only reason this is the stuff that's resonating with me more than anything else is because Mike Schur is way further on some journeys that I want to go on than I am. And once I'm further than Mike on ethics or philosophy, which won't happen, but if I was, all of a sudden it wouldn't be interesting to me anymore. I'd be like, yeah, uh, well, I see what you're doing there, but no. You have, to, you have to go places in yourself and in your life that your audience wants to go with you. You've got to create those depths. And, you're, you're, and I always think that your artwork can only be a fraction of the depths of you. you it's very hard to get your depths into depths into a piece of artwork. That's a big part of the craft and mastery. And you're only ever going to be able to get a fraction of yourself into this artwork. And therefore, if you want it to be deep, you have to be even deeper. And so my challenge to you, this is the most like tactical, practical side of this, is where are you taking your audience? If you want more followers, you can't just do it to be like, guys, come on, let's go. Let's, I'm like, come on, follow me. Yeah. And they're like, where are we going? And they're like, hey, don't, don't, don't ask those kind of questions. Just gather around me. I'm going to lead you somewhere. And they're like, where? I need to know where you're going if I'm going to congregate around you. And so for me personally, I ask myself, where do I want to take them? And I want to take them places that uh, people like Jim Henson took people. You know, I listen to that. I sing the Rainbow Connection to my daughter almost every night when I'm putting her to sleep. Not because I'm a good dad, but because she begs me. <laughs> it's my favorite song anyway. It's a Muppet song, if you don't know. And I sing that song, and I think about those lyrics every night. And I'm moved off into tears because I think... This song is deep. There are some really beautiful ideas in that song. And I think about Fraggle Rock, which is my all-time favorite show. Uh, and, you know, Jim Henson hired the world's best, best poets at the time to write some of those songs. And they are 
really profound and beautiful. And there's an episode with uh, Cantus from The Minstrels. Uh, it's like a traveling mystic musician. And he says all these cryptic phrases that just feel like uh, this supernatural mystical guide. And it's got that Yoda vibe where it's like talking in circles and um, just, you know, spiritual teachers from history that are enigmatic and strange and mystical. And I was just... I, uh, watching that back with my daughter recently, I just thought like, I want to take my people here. This is a place I want to take. I want them to feel, and that's why I do this invisible thing series. I want people, I want to take people on a journey into the invisible side of life, into the mystical side, into those feelings of, you know, when you're just, you, you, you know, when you get right outside your sensory, like art can take you outside of your senses, beyond your senses. We know for a fact through quantum physics, I want to say quantum mechanics because it sounds even cooler, but I don't really know what quantum mechanics is, but we know through physics that there is a an enormous world outside of our vision, outside of our senses. There's these really a million... Uh, not a million, but lots of dimensions above our dimension. And I wonder, I think sometimes our consciousness rubs up against those higher dimensions of timelessness and, and lack of space and multiverses. And we get that, you know, goosebumps on the back of our neck or that just that ooh mystical vibe. And I think, man, I want to create, I want to learn the craft of creating those kind of moments within my art. That's where I want to take people. And so I got to go there. I got to go deeper. I got to go experience more mystical things and understand it better and understand the craft. And I need to go on those journeys or I can't guide anybody. And I think about, you know, I started, you know, putting that, or I, you know, another place I want to take people is determination. I think determination is a, is a thing that I don't think a lot of creative people embody. I don't embody it very well. Uh, and I have to be reminded, and I don't know if our culture is good at being determined. You know, the eye of the tiger, the Rocky, the, the, oh, yeah, let's do this, man. Yeah. Like, I, we, I, it's so easy, you know, an email can like knock me on, on, off my feet. You know, someone saying, I didn't like that, Andy. I'm like, <laughs> and that idea of getting determined. Uh, getting, you know, having some resilience and getting tough and being like, come on, man. Like, I want to I wanna take people there. And so I got to find that in me. I've got to be determined. And I started thinking through all the artists that I'm a super fan of, and it rang true, is that they were taking me on places that I hadn't been, places inside themselves, places inside of what it means to be human. And they were uh, deep diving into areas that I wanted to go. And, and also they were doing journeys that I'll never do and bringing back elixirs. Like that's a big part of the hero's journey is that you leave home and you go get the elixir and you come back home to the people at home, people like you, and you give them the thing you found. And so a lot of people have done these artists job is to go find these elixirs, find these potions, find, go on deep dives, find the jewels and then bring them back to the surface. Cause we don't have time to do the kind of reflection that artists hopefully do. So I thought about, you know, someone like Sufjan Stevens is an example of somebody who has been on a tremendous journey over the past decade. He's one of my favorite musicians. And I think about what's so interesting about him is he's a guide. He's so, he's always five steps ahead of me. 
you know, his relationship to his mom is a lot like mine, has inspired a lot of decisions in me by watching what's going on with him through his music and the feelings he's working out. You know, after she passed, my mom's still alive. Uh, and watching Sufjan wrestle with the passing of his mom, who he had a really complicated relationship with, inspired all kinds of things in me. It doesn't even have to be that specific, but that's a specific example. And I think the artists that keep my devotion over the long haul are those that are never staying still. They're forever journeying to new depths to guide us into. And so if you want more followers, you need to decide where are you taking them? Okay. Well, that was an hour. <laughs> I wanted to talk for about 18 minutes. Let me take a little sip of my drink. You know, I take the uh, the pep. You know, I, I'm sure you are far superior in a million different ways. But in the art of peppiness, I think I can be a guide for you. I think I can pep you up every week. And I, I take that role as your peppy guide very, very seriously, deeply seriously. And I hope that you enjoyed this authentic episode that was really different. Um, we might do these every six months or something if it, if it needs be. I hope you don't mind me sharing some of my wins and also some of my struggles and, uh, and my doubts and my... Um, truths of this moment. I, I do realize that I'm incredibly privileged and lucky and, and blessed and whatever you want to say to have finished some of my goals. And I feel very deeply grateful for it. And I don't take any of it uh, lightly. Um, but I hope you don't mind me sharing it as I'm working out the things I'm struggling with. When you cross some big stuff off your list that you didn't know you could do, it leads you without knowing where you're going next. And that's a scary feeling. And I've kind of lacked vision and a little bit of motivation and purpose in the past couple of months. And working through these things has uh, been really helpful. And I'm excited to share with you in the next couple episodes some of my key takeaways uh, that are going to be a lot more organized than this and, uh, and all that. But I hope that you get this presence from this episode. I hope that it feels... I hope my presence feels like a present. <laughs> I don't know. I hate saying that, so we're terrible. Anyway, I'm just telling you my intention. My intention is to spend some real time with you. Okay, we spent an hour together. You can go to creativepeptalk.com slash tour, T-O-U-R, to sign up for the Dreamtopia website, a Dreamtopia workshop in L.A., with Kathy Heller, the uh, musician and podcaster from Don't Keep Your Day Job that I had on here a few episodes ago. I will be there in March, and you can get 30% off your ticket with the promo code that you'll find on that tour site, creativepeptalk.com slash tour, and there's a link that you need to click to get that affiliate thing, and um, if you go through that link, we will get some money kicked back to the Creative Pep Talk uh, team. So also, same kind of deal with the Creative Works uh, Skill Camp in April. There is an intensive workshop-based skill camp, and I will be doing a keynote as well as Gail Anderson. And there's some um, you can sign up for uh, 
one specific track, whether it's logos with Draplin or freelance with the Hood Sisters or hand lettering with Mary Kate McDevitt, but it's a different kind of event. I think it's going to be a high caliber of attendance, really high caliber masters of these various things. I think it has the potential to be a, a, a real gauntlet, a real what do you call it? Crucible of change because it's not just a go have fun at a conference. It's a different kind of thing, but hopefully you will have a ton of fun and make some deeper connections. I'm pumped about it. Um, Josh Horton and creative works do a phenomenal job putting on events. And I think that he's uh, doing something new. He's trying, you know, he's trying something brand new out and uh, you can go be a part of that by going to creativepeptalk.com slash tour. It's in those dates. I'm about to announce a bunch of other dates and stuff coming up, so stay tuned for that. (sighs) Thank you guys for listening to this show. Thanks to Yoni Wolf and the band Y for our theme music. Yoni Wolf and the band Y. I love the band Y. They're one of my all-time favorite bands, and he so kindly let me use his music on the show, although we didn't put any music on this show. So I don't know why I'm thanking him. Also thank Alex Sugg, even though he he edited, he helped me wrestle with the episode that ended up having to be scrapped. So thanks to Alex Sugg. Um, Go check out his soundtrack to this show on Spotify or Apple Music. Just go search Creative Pep Talk soundtrack. It's really good stuff. It's really good instrumental music to get you pepped. And I imagine it as like a... The, the music to a creative hero's journey where you're pulling the pencil sword from the stone and it's having this, there's this song called the pencil sword that uh, has like birds chirping and it feels very transcendent and it makes me cry. Go check it out. Uh, thanks to all you guys for listening. Until we speak again next week, we will start the series and it'll be back to your regular programming. Um, thanks for all the love and support you guys. And until we speak again, stay pepped up. <laughs>